Prepare your heart to be moved by God through the preaching and teaching of His Word as delivered at Truth Gatherer's Dream Center Church. And if you know anything about this world and the world we live in, this world is strong on success. And success is not wrong. But the problem is it's interested in success without God. It's interested in success without morals. It's interested in success without ethics. It's interested in success without patience. It's interested interested in success without character. So while God is yet interested in our productivity, our growth, our blessing, uh, even our income, the Bible tells us that uh, the Bible records the apostle says, I wish above all things, how many like that scripture, that you will be in health and prosper even as your soul prosper. Right? Wonderful scripture, right? But be in health and prosper even as, say even as, or even as. So meaning, meaning that what's leading your life is not your health or your prosperity, but that it matches up to your soul even as, even as matching up to your soul prospering. And so if we're not careful We'll settle just for good health and success and not our soul, our spirit, prosperate. And God want to make sure that we understand what he wants out of our hearts. And I want to set this thing here today, and I feel led to the Lord to get up much earlier. So go to Matthew 6. I'm going to start there, and we'll see how far I get um, this morning because he's already shifted quite a few things. But I'm starting a new series titled New Things. Everybody say New Things. New things. I believe 2021 for our church and even globally was still about a divine reset. Talked about it on New Year's Eve about a divine reset, but God has still been trying to upgrade us. Again, I'm, I'm asking you for patience, and I want truth gathers to hear me. I'm talking personally right now, first as a pastor and a leader of this church. I'm asking you for patience because some of the changes we put forth in 2021 hasn't fully come through yet. But one of the things I'm digesting as a church, things in ministry, things that I want for the elders and the leaders, for this church, just things I desire to see, just hadn't come to fruition yet, all right? And it's easy to talk about, and we try to put everything in a time capsule um, that if we wasn't successful if it all didn't happen during a certain time. And if we're not careful, we miss celebrations of what did occur because we don't learn to celebrate uh, the things that we did accomplish. Can we pause for a moment and let's just praise God for what we did accomplish for 2021. I want to run regret out of you. I want to run. I want to run all that misery out of you. Come on, clap your hands. Even online, I want to run out and just thank God. If you just made an inch, an inch of success and change, I want you to keep praising them online. I want you to keep praising them. If you made some changes, if you thought about change, I want you to praise it about, even if you ain't fully made the change, but you've been thinking about it, I want you to praise God for the whatever good you did do. Come on, praise him some more online. Praise him some more. I want to run out self-pity. I want to run out low self-esteem. I want to run out the accuser of the brethren. Everything the enemy is working on your mind or what you didn't accomplish yet, I know it's still on, but tell somebody it's still on the table. We still can accomplish it. So there are things, even as a pastor, we hadn't accomplished, the things I got desires to do, visions, things I say, things even of our leaders, our church, our organizational structure. Even at the end of the year, we start changing stuff. And as we start changing stuff at the end of the year, we have some great momentum, still do. We found out that it takes time to change. Tell somebody it takes time to change. 
takes time to change. And so God has been doing some things and I'm trying to get us to understand that everything doesn't just happen as fast as we want it to happen. You need to digest that God has still been changing us. He's been changing us. And many times as a people of God who are prophetic in nature, who are by faith in nature, we still expect microwave change. We still do. And we know God is a suddenly God and there's a part of the church that only believe in suddenlies. They only believe in suddenly, immediately suddenly. And the truth of the matter, even when you stutter suddenlies, the, the lead up to the suddenly didn't occur suddenly. Sometime when they had a suddenly, it happened after 10 years. And suddenly, the Bible says there was a man sitting at the pool of Bethesda, but he had a suddenly, but it didn't happen until after 38 years. So sometimes you got to hold on until your change comes. Uh, we got to hold on and what God is trying to get us into the mode of changing and understand that we got to stay with this change. And I want to start this new series called New Things, The Gift of Change. The Gift of Change. The Gift of Change. Let's go to Matthew 6 and 33 because this is what God dropped in my spirit. I'm going to teach here. And again, I'm going to teach a little bit. And when I feel the Holy Spirit lift off me, I'm going to be done. All right. And when he lifts, I'm done. All right. And when he lifts, I'm done. All right, and if he goes 30 minutes, I go 30 minutes. If he go 45, I go 45. If he go an hour and a half, I'm going an hour and a half. Oh, since when you determine how long the Holy Spirit, since when you determine, since when you determine how long the Holy Spirit gets determined what he needs for the people. Oh, I meant it to. And I meant it to because one, that's one of the reasons sometimes I'm going to get up early this year. And, um, and I felt this kind of the start. I get up a little earlier than we normally do because I'm going to feel like there's going to be some times, especially this year, that we need some strong, heavy teaching. And we need to slow some things down and really get to some things and really get into the crevices of your life. And so sometimes we're going to praise after the teaching. We're going to open up with a little bit of worship. I'm going to get up and teach. Somebody going to get up and teach. And then after, we're going to praise God after the teaching. All right. And there's some things. Tell somebody to say new things. New things. The gift of change. Let's go to Matthew 6 and 33. Y'all hang with me like I told you. This thing is big on me today. And I'm going to just try to do what God has given me for today. And I'll figure that out in just a second. Matthew 6 and 33. Let's start at verse 24. The gift of change. It says, no man can serve Two masters. Now, I know some of y'all think y'all pretty good. I know some of you think you're gifted and intelligent and smart. And some of you think that you got skill. You can jump in and jump back out. I know some of you think you can keep up multiple relationships at one time. You're skillful. But here's the principle. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other. Or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. So no one has the ability to serve two masters. Know why? Because the two masters don't talk to each other and agree with one another. So when one master is telling you to go one place, at the same time another master is telling you to go the other place. While one master gives you a set list of responsibilities, duties, and functions to do, then another one is telling you to do certain things. You ever been in a work environment where everybody was trying to be the boss? 
and you trying to follow instructions you want to do the right thing you want to you want to end up at the right place and all of a sudden you ever been in a meeting that had no organizational leadership where nobody was the leader at the meeting I'm fine with meetings where everybody can come to the table and everybody can give feedback and everybody can give input and everybody can give insight but somebody got to still be the leader within all that structure because soon as competing thoughts and forces come together somebody got a set direction so there's no way that you can serve two masters because if so you're going to always be competing on which one you're going to serve one going to be saying do this and the other going to be saying do that and sooner or later you're going to find out you tired because you've been trying to serve two masters you frustrated because you're trying to serve two masters. I'm telling you, when you settle the issue of who's going to be your master and God's going to be your master, you're going to find the greatest peace in your life. Some of the frustration that we many times have is that we have too many competing thoughts, too many competing forces, and everything has priority except God. But I'm telling you, once you find out that God's your master and you know his agenda, you got peace with everything else. You got to say, if the rest of it don't get done, as long as I get God's agenda done first. Y'all hear what I'm saying? You can't serve two masters. So get off of it. Get off that thinking that you so skillful, you so clever that you have the ability to serve two masters. If you're going to be successful, you're going to have to settle who's your master. If you're going to reach God's purpose, if you're going to walk in change and transformation, you're going to have to decide, ask your neighbor, say, who's your leader? Yeah, that's what I know. Who's your, no, who's your leader? You're going to have to determine who's leading you, who's guiding you, who's constructing your life. You're going to have to decide if your life is going to come out of the stall phase. If your life is going to take blossom and fruition, you're going to have to decide who leads your life and what set of principles you are governed by. Because either you're going to end up holding the one and hating the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon means natural things. And it's going to go through some things in just a little bit. So you can't serve God and mammon. God is so supreme and God is so high that although he made things, mammon just means natural things. It could be money, it could be cars, it could, but you can't serve God and mammon. God is the creator of the universe. God set everything in motion. And there's no way you can serve God and mammon because God is over everything. And God is always going to be telling you, listen to this, because we got problems with it. All right. God's going to always be telling you what to do with your mind. God's going to always be telling you what to do with your mind. That's the problem that people have because God tells them what thoughts they should have. And they want to think what they want to think, but God tells them what thoughts they should have. God's going to always be telling you what to do with your body. I said God's going to always be telling you what to do with your body. That's what people have problems with serving God because they don't want to present their bodies to the Lord. God's going to always be telling you to do what to do with your body. Yes, he is. He's going to be telling you what to put on your body, what to take your body, how to dress your body. He's going to always be telling that. that telling you, you cannot serve God in mammon. God's going to have to have your ear and God wants your body too. See, we just think God wants our heart. And so God got a whole bunch of people in the body of Christ running after tattoos because they only feel that God only wants their heart. 
and so they think God is just an internal th- internal thing and what's internal don't ever work on the outside but God and, and I know it and I know it everybody gets stuck on what you don't what you can't what you don't go to hell for See, everybody gets stuck on that, what you don't go to hell for. Uh, and all because you don't go to hell for having a tattoo, that don't mean that potentially what you put on your body may not bring extra warfare in your life. See, when you start living by the Spirit of God, there are certain things you don't put on your body because you understand it attracts warfare. See that? So although you may not go to hell because of the tattoo, you may be attracting hell the rest of your life. You may be dealing with unnecessary warfare because you haven't given God your body so we just get all think God just wanted all just internal and then when we think all of that the first thing we like to say to other Christians and other people we love to use that little catchphrase God knows my heart we like that one that's a catch-all that means get off me I can do what I want to do I don't have to be subject to God's law I don't have to ever look like the Bible I don't have to have to have clarity in my lifestyle I don't have to have clarity in my conduct or my relationship get off me because God knows my heart we always want to tell people don't look on the outside always look on the inside but I'm gonna tell you uh, you uh, uh, looking on the outside will sometimes make it difficult to wonder what's on the inside come on I know it I I know it I know it I know it but I'm telling it here I'm telling it if you came in here dressed the wrong way I'm telling it if you came in here dressed the wrong way it's gonna be hard to convince somebody that you was with the Lord last night come on now if a woman came in here half naked half clothed it's gonna be hard to understand that she's a prophetess of the Lord she get up here talk about I'm a prophetess of the Lord and the Lord spoke to me and she half dressed I'm talking about half dressed you can see everything I'm just giving an analogy I'm not trying to beat up on women or none of that type of thing. I'm giving an analogy that is hard to believe God on the inside when we can't sometimes see him on the outside. And God has a people who tell everybody else my outside can be any type of way. Because God don't have control of my, my body. God don't have control of my body. And so because God don't have control of my body, you're going to back off me. You're not going to hold me accountable to any changes that should happen with my body. Because you can't see what God is doing on the inside. You know how that is. You know, what is it for a woman to be pregnant? It happens every once in a while, but not often. But what is it for a woman to be pregnant throughout the whole nine months and never show? It happens every once in a while. Sometimes people are nine months, and ooh, I can't tell. But that's not often. Most time when somebody got something on the inside, it shows on the outside. Most time when somebody get pregnant, you can see that on the outside. Come on. Come on now. You can't just keep eating Twinkies at night and ain't gonna show up on the outside. Come on now. Come on. We just get we're going against the law of reciprocity. Come on. We be asking people to go against the law of reciprocity. That 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 what's on the inside never gonna show up on the outside. Come on now. So I'm telling you that God said God wants my body. So mammon means all things natural. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. Take no thought for your life. Now that's powerful. God said I'm going to be your master and I got to get some of y'all to start worrying so much about your life. As if you created yourself. 
See, what happens when you take the primary responsibility of who you are and what you need to become, when you take the primary, meaning that you above God and God not ultimately over you, when you take that responsibility, then it basically says that, hey, hey, I need to worry about myself. I need to do everything to take care of myself, everything to take care of myself. And you alleviate God from being your provider. You alleviate God from being your author. You alleviate God from being your redeemer, your father, your savior, all right? So uh, you, you can't live that life where you just take, uh, you're worried about everything. He said, take no thought for your life. Now, this scripture is very sensitive right now when we were dealing with everything, dealing with COVID-19 and dealing with the virus and all that kind of stuff. And let me tell y'all something right now. It's precious to have peace right now. I said it's precious to have peace right now. It's precious if you got joy right now. It's precious if you believe that God's going to bless you tomorrow right now. That's precious. With all the things going on in the world, it's precious right now to still have peace. Take no thought what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body. What you shall put on is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment. It's talking about when you worry so much and you don't recognize God's in charge of your life. You worry so much. Anxiety drives you. It's hard to change when you're so worried about everything. He says, when you, when, when, when you start... Don't value life more than what you eat. You start trading out life for subpar things. Is not life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, look at the bird. Look, let's give an example. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather in the barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? So hold a minute. You're worried about everything. Well, there, are, there he gives an example of a bird, a fowl. They don't, they don't sow, they don't even participate in the reciprocation process of life. The bird never grow, get up in the morning and say, I want to eat. I better go ahead and set a trap for this worm. Because if I don't set a trap for this worm, I don't eat. The bird don't say, I must prepare myself. I must prepare. He don't participate in that process, but it tries to give an example that they don't gather in the barns. They don't even have a savings plan. They don't even have a savings plan. The birds don't even have a savings They just take their wings and fly. They live in such freedom. He says, listen to this. He's giving an analogy about how we ought to live in peace. He says, he says, yet your heavenly father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? He's trying to give an example on how he can take care of us if he can take care of somebody who is showing no responsibility, no preparation. Or he's doing that not so that we become irresponsible, but that we remove out of the stress and anxieties of life. I'm trying to let you know you can't allow God to be first if you're so worried about everything else. You worrying is a sign that you think you can handle it. You worrying is a sign that you think you should have the power to do it, but you don't. 
but when you stop worrying that means this thing gonna work out for itself God got this thing all in control and anxiety starts leaving your nervous system when you recognize God is in control that God is sovereign and God's gonna take care of me and God's gonna take care of my children and God's gonna lead me and God's gonna guide me and anxiety and worry start floating out of your system come on because you understand that the father the father will take care of you comparison with the birds which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature and why take ye thought for raiment consider the lilies of the field how they grow they toil not and do they spin here it is again some of us are stuck on anxiety and worrying and putting ourselves stronger than God because we think we can handle everything we think we can control everything we think we gotta always have to have to something to say we think we can shift everything all the time by ourselves and we feel powerless when we are not in control and anytime you get into a mindset that you feel powerless when you're not in control but God is in control you're getting set up by the enemy to be full of worry anxiety and all other types of things going to start driving your life because now you are focused on a life that you can control versus a life that God can control why take ye thought, verse 28, consider the ladies of the field, how they grow not, they toll not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon, all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. It's given a comparison of the lily of the field. How beautiful they are, and they just grew in the wild. And even Solomon's temple that was full of glory was put together through the plan of man was beautiful when you study old testament and solomon's temple it was beautiful all the timber all the wood all the meticulous um planning that solomon did to build the temple yet god said when you look at the lilies of the field the way i can cause it to grow on its own he says and you are sitting there perplexed and worried about everything i really believe god is trying to bring change to our lives but some of us are in the way we are worried about everything. God can't be first. God can't have preeminence. We're worried about everything and we are actually moving God out of the equation because we have uh, put, put worry in our lives. 29, and I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not even arrayed like one of these. Verse 30, wherefore, if God so clothes the grass of the field, he's trying to sum it up here, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not, ha shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? God is trying to build a foundation in his text that you got to remove all these other anxieties out of your way for God to move in your life. See, God can't change you until you allow him to be first. That's what I'm getting to. But when you're full of anxieties and control, God can't never come in and lead you anywhere. God can't even come in and guide you and transform you. God can't do it because you're so worried about it and you have such little faith. Your faith is so low and God's ability to take you from where you are and bring you where you got to be. You, your faith is so low. He's giving you the analogy of the sparrow, the bird. He's giving you the analogy of the lilies and still you are trying to hold God hostage and control your life that you won't let God be God through your faith. 
31. Therefore, take no thought, saying what you shall eat, what you shall drink, and whether, whether all shall you be clothed. Meaning, don't be all overwhelmed by these type of things. For all these things do the Gentiles seek. Now, this is tough stuff. The freedom that we ought to have for God is really a powerful place. God says in his word, listen to what his word said. Look at right there. I want you to read it again. Verse 32. For all, for after all these things do the Gentiles see. After what things? Clothing, food, mammon, money, success. Listen to this. The Gentiles are unregenerated people who are so worried about their life because they don't have God first. So they have to be worried about success because they don't serve a God that knows it all. They don't serve a God that got a master plan. They're unregenerated in their faith. He says, so the Gentiles live a chaotic life, a life without peace, a life without joy because they are Gentiles. Let's talk about they're unregenerated and because they're unregenerated, they have to seek after these things. Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit. They have to seek after these things. But it says, for your heavenly father knoweth that ye have need of these things. So this is the balance of it. So God is not saying that you don't have a need for clothes. You don't have a need for success. You don't have a need to be blessed. You don't have a need, need to have food in your refrigerator, have, have a roof over your head, gas in your car. You don't have a need to not, not have a job. God said, I know you got need for these things. He says, but these things are not first. Say, these things are not first. Say, these things are not first. Now, I know this may seem like to some of you all, but truth of the matter, many of our success in life with God have been dragged down by these things. These things are holding up our success with God. These things are holding up our change with God because we are still worried about if we're going to be successful or not, that we've taken our whole life in our own hands. We're so worried about where we're going to live and all this kind of stuff. Some people are so perplexed about if they're going to have a five-bedroom house. I mean, they're so perplexed about it if their house is going to be big enough. They're not even thankful for their apartment. They are ashamed of where they are right now. And I'm not saying you're in some bad place or nothing like that, but they are ashamed of where they are right now because they're so busy trying to be somewhere else and keep up with the world and keep up with the mindset of the Gentiles. I'm telling you, some of us just need to learn to be thankful right where we are and stop trying to make it seem like we're further than we are. This is something that God's going to keep making me drill down on in this season. People who keep acting like they're further than they are. Acting like they're more successful than they are. Act like they got more followers than they really do. People acting like they're more important than they really are. People who just keep lifting up themselves and, and all these kind of stuff. And keep escaping reality creating fantasies. Keep escaping real work and real focus because they keep making up an illusion that they're stronger than they are. They're better than they are. You know, they're further than they are. Versus living in the reality of where they are and walking in grace and walking in happiness and walking in joy. But they keep manipulating everybody else and you think that they're further than they really are. And when you really investigate their life, they ain't got two pity. Because they're seeking after success without God. And the Gentiles behave that way. 
This is what God says to you and I, and this is a strong message from God to get our focus right in 2022 because God is trying to gift us change. But he can't change a people he doesn't have. He can't change a people he doesn't possess. He doesn't change a people uh, that don't have his interests. He can't change a people who don't seek after him. He can't change a people who care more about everything else except him. He can't change a people. He can't bring you into his fullness of desires when everything else matters more. Everything else matters more when you be when you're more addicted to social media than everything else. Oh, these are real issues. Me and a preacher were talking uh, last night and he helped me in a whole lot uh, area of the understanding of how the enemy is captivating our minds uh, through the things that we watch and the things that we pay attention to every day. And he's captivating our minds and our minds are captivated by all these other images that know what? The things that we could be doing to seek God, work on plans, are being distracted by all these other images and all these other information no things that are coming our way and if you're not careful you get so overwhelmed by all these things on social media all these things happening to us glory to God we get distracted glory to God thought I had a little something thank you sir I had a little something. I thought I brought it. Whatever. And so uh, we get distracted by all these images and messages that it takes us away from God and the things we should be focused on. You'll be imagine how much broke people scan their Facebook line all day. And their timeline, they broke. Their lives are chaotic. But they got wrong priorities. They're still worried about what everybody else is doing. They're still worried about what keeping up with everybody else, keeping up with the latest trends, where their life is five years behind. There is something about if you're not careful, you'll keep faking like you up to par, but your life is years behind. If you're not careful, everybody be telling you act this way, do this way. But the truth of the matter is your life is five years behind and people won't allow you to focus on right where you are. And you ain't got enough sense to tell people I'm not where you want me to be right now. This is where I am and this is where I'm going to focus. But the Gentiles seek all these things without God. He says, for your heavenly father knoweth what you have need. You have need. Say, I have need. Tomorrow, so let's say, I have need. So God knows you got needs. So this is not a God who don't care about needs. This is not a careless God. This is a careful God. I say he's not careless. He's careful. Full. And if you need to understand care of full, put two L's at the end of full. Or in other words, he's full of care. He's not less care, but he's full of care. So it's not that God don't see that you have needs. He know you have needs, but he understands, verse 33, but seek ye first. Say seek first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Now here's the blessing. He says, look, when you start putting me first. He said, I can add things to your life. I'll add things when you need it. I'll give you a spouse when you need it. You know, it ain't that I was so much better as a Mac Daddy than anybody else. I said, ain't that that I was just a Mac Daddy better than anybody else? But in God's divine timing, he knew when I needed a spouse. I said, in his divine timing, he knew when I needed a spouse. And I know some of us know our time better than God. 
I said, I know some of us know our time better than God. But the best advice I can give you for those who are overwhelmed with a spouse, having a spouse, and I, it's a great desire to want a spouse. That's a godly thing. That's good. That's a great desire. But the best thing you can ever do is just get lost in his presence. You'll be amazed on what you start finding when you get lost. I know it's an oxymoron, but some of us never get lost and we never find nothing. We never get lost in his presence. We never get lost and consumed by his agenda. But I'm telling you, if you start getting lost in his presence, he'll start adding things to your life. And I always been there. It wasn't that, that I was just super mad daddy that I found Pastor Robin. The truth of the matter, spiritually, I had closed my eyes. I said the truth of the matter, I had closed my eyes. I'm going back to talk about this because it takes an anointing to close your eyes. What I'm talking about, when I say close your eyes, I'm talking about blinding everything out and getting focused that you're not distracted by everything and God was priority. I'm on campus of FSU. I've come from Miami, Florida. I'm already saved and I get here for college and it seems like the only thing God is interested in is my calling to preach. I'm here for education. I got some things I got to do. But when I go to church, man, God is bubbling up in me. When I get in the word, God is bubbling up in me. And I'm telling you, God was telling me at that time to block out everything. I'm on FSU campus. I'm on my own. I don't know if you can understand the age and the, and the season I was in. I was away from my parents. I mean, I'm more grown than I ever thought I was. Come on. I'm 17 because my birthday came in September. So I got here in August of that year. So I had a month until I was 18. So I'm 17. I'm grown up here my parents are in Miami I'm feeling myself I get up when I want to go I come home when I want to come home you know what I'm saying freedom hallelujah I could do what I want to do except pay my own bills and stuff like that oh yeah dad we still provide you know how it is you know how them young grown folk think you know what I'm saying them young grown the young grown folk think they think they covering it all you know what I'm saying them young folk think they covering it all they missed it they missed some some people just miss it they think they covering it all and stuff and so here I am but God gave me the ability to put the blinders on now all these other distractions in my life, God says, I want you to cut out all that other foolishness. I want you to start going on a fast. I want you to start seeking my presence. I want you to start cutting out the foolishness. I want you to start watching who you hang around with. I want you to start watching out. And some of us can never get what God wants to add because we never get the blinders on. Some of our lives are the product of the lack of focus on God. Some of us have not come into the added blessing yet because we hadn't put God first. And that's why we got to keep finding our own blessings and working hard and doing all these other things. But I'm telling you, there's another dimension of change that comes to your life. When you put God in the first gear and let God be first, God's supernatural anointing gets in your life. And when you start opening your eyes and looking up you're blessed to the left you're blessed to the south you're blessed to the north to the right and everywhere you're looking God start adding to your life but it happens when you start getting focused on God your life can be the product of the lack of focus still trying to have more than one master and you're never walking into the added things of God because you're still trying to control your own life and you hadn't developed a mindset and a hunger that you're going to seek first God. Then you know what? I'm going to seek God first. And you know, we still got this torment 
that's going out in the world doesn't happen to the church. I preached about it before, but God always keeps teaching me to repeat stuff, you know, as a teacher. But we got this thing that so many Christians have been stuck, been saved for 20 years, and been a baby for 20 years. A baby Christian. Because there's been a spirit of torment that hit the church that told everybody, don't be deep. And when that thing hit the, hit the church, we had a whole bunch of people high-fiving each other for being shallow for 10 years. We had a whole church that was grown with no teeth. They had gray hair with no teeth. And it ain't because their teeth fell out, it's because they never grew any. I ain't talking about you gotta grow, you know, we gotta hold on to everything when we get older. You gotta hold on to everything when you get older. I'm serious, you go to the dentist when you get older, they be like, no, can you fix this? No, can you fix this? You know, but I'm talking about a church that never grew teeth. Gray hair, but never grew teeth. Why they never grew teeth? Because they never matured in the things of God. They've been saved, but that don't mean all because you got saved in 1992 under a tent revival by Bishop Apostle Moses Elijah Muhammad. It don't matter who was running revival. If you hadn't grown since then, you are a baby since 1992. And we got a whole church who high five each other off of being immature. Because they haven't focused on God. And God hadn't become first. You know, it's easy for God to be, to be Savior. Because he did the work for that. He did on, died on the cross. The gift of salvation is free. But for him to be Lord, it's going to cost you something. Oh, for him to be savior, he gives that out. That's why people can line up at the altar easy and he becomes savior because he paid the price on the cross. We thank God for that. We couldn't pay the price. He became our savior. He redeemed us. But him to be Lord of your life, it's going to cost you something every day. It's going to cost you dying to your will. It's going to cost you dying to your flesh. And, there, and, we, and if we're not careful, we'll never move into the gift of change because we don't seek first. Say seek first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The kingdom of God just means God's way of doing things. Kingdom of God. The king or the domain of the king. Seek first the kingdom of God. Not second. Not third. Not I tried everything I might as well try Jesus. Not fifth. Put God first. No, put God first, not second. Put God first. Don't put God after what you want to do. No, put him first. I believe some of you are here today intentionally. It's a part of your mentality, and some of you online as well are online intentionally. Because you said, I'm coming to God, I'm coming to church on the first Sunday. And I know some of you, and, I, and, I, and I'm, trying to, I'm not trying to embarrass anybody or put down anybody, but, but if you missed a few other Sundays, you was like, well, this is the first Sunday of the year. Because you understand the principle first. So when you understand the principle first, you start paying attention to certain things. And, and even though you missed a few Sundays or something, I'm not trying to say you was wrong for missing. That ain't my point. My point is you recognize that this is the first Sunday I owe God my all and a part of representing how I try to live. I'm coming to church on the first Sunday. I'm getting online on the first Sunday. There are some people sleep right now because they don't understand first things. 
They're not used to putting God first. They're not used to having any priority of what God thinks. And right now they'll sleep. Right now they don't care about nothing. Why? Because they only think about themselves until they get in trouble. Now God got to be the way out of no way. Bring me out of this. And God's trying to rescue us from trying to always put him last and then want him first when we in trouble. He's trying to rescue us from that lifestyle and mentality. Like I said before, we know God's merciful. I'm not telling you not to call him if you drown. If I'm drowning, I'm calling him. I'm like, I'm like, like Peter. If I'm out the boat, he come out the boat and I'm walking good for a while. And after a while, after I'm walking on, 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 the, on the water, I see myself lose focus and I start sinking. I'm calling him. I don't care what you say. I'm calling him. So I'm not telling you not to call him, but I'm trying to tell you, put more emphasis on him being first. God's trying to get us to start putting him first. I've said some of you have been intentional today. You say, I ain't going to sleep in today. I know we, was, we had New Year's Eve service. Y'all know I'm a pastor, right? Pastors are gifted at working with people. You can't lead people not know how people think. I know how people think. We just had service on Friday night. I ain't coming to church on Sunday morning. It better been a good 48 hours. What I'm getting there going there at 10 o'clock in the morning for? Oh, y'all think I don't know people? The only way you can preach and lead good people, lead people if you know people. I know how people think. They ain't come to church. We was there. We was in jail from 10 to 12. Pastor had the nerve even hold us from 12 to 10. We get out, we get out to New I want to be out at 12 o'clock midnight. We got out at 12 to 10. And you night, they don't know people. But sometimes people miss first things and how to put God first. How to move everything out of the way and put God first. It's sad that sometimes God can bless people. Change their life. Bring them out of the dirt. Bring them out of being stuck. Bring them out of not knowing who they are. Bring them out of the bottom. Raise them up. And they walk away from God. They get caught up in mammon. They get caught up in their things. They get caught up in who they have become. They get caught up in their success. I'm telling you, don't ever let your job move God out the way. Don't ever let your success move God out the way. Come on, I, I tell people I ain't coming for the, I, you know, I got, I, got a, I got a way about the way I bring God to work, personally. I have a way. And because I am a preacher, when I go to work, I don't walk around telling anybody I'm a preacher. Not that I am not a preacher, or I'm saved, but I don't do that, number one, because when I go to work, my private focus is not to preach. Some of y'all, just, I just saved your job. My prime purpose is not to preach as like the way I preach on Sunday morning, the way I teach during the week. That's not my prime purpose. My prime is to work for the government and do what I've been hired to do. Right? And the secondly, I also don't do that because I know once I tell people a preacher, then they start treating me differently. Oh, people want to hide it. I, somebody heard me on the radio. <laughs> heard me on the radio. Came running into my office one time and said, Joe, tell me I didn't just hear you on the radio. I said, you want me to tell you that you didn't hear me on the radio? Tell, I didn't, you didn't hear me on the radio? No, for real, for real, Joe. Did you? I, I know I just heard your voice on the radio. I'm skipping these channels, and I go by this channel, and I, oh, I know that voice. I said, that's Joe. I said, yeah, 
I'm, I'm a pastor. Oh my God. Lord, forgive me for everything I done said. Lord, forgive me for, oh Jesus. Lord, let, let the blood cover me. She went through all that stuff. I said, girl, I ain't know you know about no blood. I closed my door. Close my door. Cause you pray like you know God. You pray now. What's up? What's all this cutting up about that you've been doing up around here? That, that we, I couldn't tell that you had all that knowledge in you. Wait a minute. Close the door now. Cause I got a believer in here that's cutting up at work. Close the door, sis. Close the door, sis. Yes, I did. Close the door. It's on now. What's going on? Oh, I didn't know it was your preacher. I'm, I, she said. She said I knew that was your voice. I, she said I was repenting all the way over here. I, could, I said, did I cuss in that meeting, Lord? Did I probably cuss, Lord Jesus. So because I don't personally like people feel uncomfortable now I don't change my stance I'm always gonna be moral ethical and all that but because I don't like people being uncomfortable around me I don't walk around just walking in the work tell them I'm preaching I, I think that's a good thing I think the Bible just said let your light shine that men may see your good works and glorify your father it didn't say go to work and tell everybody to preach I think I think we'll have a lot more success when everybody stopped going to work passing out profit cards and all that kind of stuff I'm a prophet Nobody trying to book you for no revival. Go to work. I'm serious. And so, and so, so, so I'm telling you that you got, <laughs> got me tickled. I'm telling you, you got to learn how to light your light shine. You can't just be walking around just being arrogant and cocky. So sometimes I didn't even want people to know, you know, what, my, 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 what, what I was, but I was going to live a life. I was going to live a life and God was going to be priority. And I'm just going to live the life right there and let God be God. I'm telling you, we got to learn to put God first. And we're not getting to our added blessings. We're not extending the, getting the gift of change because we're not putting God first. Let me read verse 33 again. But seek ye first. Everybody say, seek ye first. Seek ye first. And you, you, you all think this is it's not a big thing. Seeking God first is a big thing. That's why he went through these, all these verses talking about your anxieties, your worries. Because you got to get all that out of the way to put God first. You got to know that God got it all under control to put God first. You got to know that God created your own purpose to put God first. You got to know that your life is already destined to be blessed to put God first. You got to already know that God going to work this thing out to put God first. Because if not, you're not going to put God first. You're going to always be working extra hard trying to do what you need to do all by yourself. I'm serious. I'm telling you, when you start getting free, when you start getting free, some of y'all are going to have more strength this year. Why are you going to have more strength? You're going to start overworking. And I ain't talking about at work. I'm talking about in your personality. You're going to start overworking and trying to appease everybody and appease everything. You're going to have greater peace. Let me say this while I'm passing by. God is higher than your mama, especially if you've grown. If you've grown at your mama's house. Let me put the caveat on it. And if you're in your mama's house... God works through your parents. The Bible says, obey your parents. And there's an authority that parents still have if you're in their house. Now, if you're grown and you can take care of yourself, then you get to graduate from the authority of your parents. So if you plan to be 30 and, we, and still with your parents... If you're 30 and still with your parents, and I'm not talking about for custodial purposes, I'm not talking about uh, for supporting them and because you're a caretaker and all that, I'm talking about because of the lack of responsibility, then your parents still got authority over you. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, you getting grown now. You're going to change this year. Oh, yeah. If you're still 30 and still with your parents, and it, because of the lack of what you haven't done, that's where I'm trying to go. And I'm not even going to the place, and let me, let me be very balanced here. I'm not going to the place that there are times that even grown folks need shelter to recover. I'm okay with that too. There are times that sometimes grown folks go through devastating losses and devastating transitions and go through some, and your parents can become a covering for recuperation. But how many know once you get yourself together and your wing strength grow back, you fly from out the coop again, right? But you can't be 30 years old telling your mama what to do. Telling your parents what to do. I just wanted to say that. I feel like I'm talking to somebody who want to be grown but don't want to accept responsibility. Don't want to accept change. Don't want to accept what it really takes. I'm telling you, you to seek first means everything. We got to get a mentality in this season, 2022, that we're going to seek God first. Amen. You know, my calling is really to build people, and I'm going to say this today, and I probably said it before, and I don't mean no harm, I'm not being mean about it. And I love all of God people that God has sent to the church. One of the challenges that I'm having in this season, because of where we are, and I'm, and I'm saying this to be mean, or I got to know my heart, one of the seasons I, I have sometimes have challenges with is who, who I'm called to or who, I have, who I'm actually leading. Right? I have challenges sometimes because sometimes I don't see you online, so I try to see people online. Sometimes I try to see who in the presence. That means something to me. See, I don't know who I'm leading until I look back and see who's following. So if I don't see any type of connection, I don't know who really I'm covering right now. So if I had some real balance in some tough times over the last year or two, because I'm not sure who I'm really covering, unless I see you or see you connected. Because I'm not interested in covering who I don't know I'm covering. See, I'm not that kind of person. See, a lot of people are interested in looking bigger than they are. If I'm only covering 30 people, that's all I'm covering. Then I tell people, how many people? Doc, it's the preacher talk. Doc, how many you got? I got 30. <laughs> Bishop Vaughn says like this, don't count them until you can count on them. He said, don't even count them, Pastor. He said, don't count them until you can count on them. If you can't count on them, don't even count them. So I'm not trying to be mean in, in no type of way, but as somebody who wants to be authentic and real, I care about the people I lead. I care about the people I serve. I'm not interested, I, I'm not interested in just serving people nebulously. That, ain't, that don't interest me. <laughs> that don't do nothing for me. I want to know. One of, the, one of the aspects, I don't know why I'm going here, I think I'm helping some of y'all understand what, how I try to lead. Uh, I, I, the Bible says a true shepherd knows how many sheep he has. The way he knows, the Bible says it like this. It's given to the story of the lost sheep. But it says that he had 99. Well, how do you know he had one missing? Because he can count. You don't know what you're missing if you don't, can't keep up with what you got. So a part of shepherding is being accountable to the people that God has given to you. So you can't go find the one if you didn't know you had 100. So if you just think, if you ain't interested in the people, see, so many people miss it sometimes while I be talking about where, wherever you're going to be. Let me say it again. Sometimes we get lost. Wherever you're going to be in this season, just be it. Just be there. 
If you're going to be in person, be there. If you're going to be online, just be there. Just be there. Where you going to be, just going to be. I'm not going to be sitting here fussing all day. Just be wherever you're going to be. If you're going to be online, be online. That's fine. That's fine. I respect that we're in a place that we got to practice safety. Am I right? I respect that sometimes if you come in close cap with somebody um, that you need to quarantine, all that, that kind of stuff. I respect that sometimes if you're traveling and you're busy, you couldn't make it back and you're really, really tired, you can't get up. Online becomes a convenient thing. I'm okay with some of those aspects of it. Now, y'all do know I'm not interested in laziness. Y'all do understand that too. I do that. I, I, I know. I know. I know. Technology go global. I know technology go global. And I have a different. I, I different. I have a different measure of responsibility or expectation for people who are in Africa and who are watching us online, because they can't get dressed and be here by 10 a.m. So I'm never going to shift my expectation for people who right down Thar Street for somebody that's somewhere over in Bermuda. I'm not going to shift my expectation. You think because technology is here that I've shifted my expectation, and I haven't. I still expect some level of accountability, whether you're in person or online. You know what I'm saying? And so I told the people, you know, I'm going to say it, I'm going to keep passing. I just try to let the people know. See, I'm trying to be accountable. See, I'm trying to be accountable to the things of God. I, I'm not trying to act like I'm further than they are. Wherever I am, I am. Wherever God has sent me, 100, 200, I'm going to be grateful. I'm going to be thankful. I'm not. See, that's one of the tricks of the enemy that even ha happens to pastors. They start, they start focusing on thousands and ain't taking care of the hundred. Can't even identify with what's happening in their body, their body, their church body, because they're too focused on everything else all across the world. Don't even have a structure in place so that people in the place can also care for that and it's somewhere else. Now, I'm not interested in that. I want y'all to understand. So wherever you're going to be, gonna be, I'm not fussing about that. But don't think I've changed my accountability measures because you're just down the street. You're just five miles away. The people that are far away, they can't, get on, they can't drive over here. So I, I expect them to be online. And let me say it right there so you'll know how I think about that too. You already know. Some of y'all know where I'm already going. I'm okay with safety. I'm telling me, hear me clearly. But don't be trying to act like I'm supposed to be convinced about people who go everywhere else and don't come to church. Now, now you ain't going to get that on me. I ain't that sheepish. Now, whatever you do is going to be your decision. I'm okay with that too. But don't act like I'm going to buy into it. That's all I'm trying to say. Don't act like I'm, you can, whatever you're going to do is going to do. It's your choice. I'm good on that kind of stuff. But don't act like if you're a person to go everywhere else and, and then come and talk to me and say, oh, pastor, me and my wife had the best vacation in the world. Where y'all went? We went to Jamaica. Well, I'm, I'm happy for you. But if you went to Jamaica, can you come to High Road? So I'm just saying, don't expect me to buy into that. See, those are all the type of excuses that people make when God's not first. It's the same mentality. You know it's about God being first. See, when God being first, these things are important to you and to God. So y'all just think I'll be tripping. I'm not tripping. I got a perspective, a biblical perspective about it. And, no, and I'm just trying to say, don't, don't, just, don't come with that kind of excuses this year. We got to get out of those excuses. We got to focus and seek God first. All right, y'all heard the pastoral stuff. Y'all hear that? Y'all hear that? 
Seek God first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I want you to walk in the added blessing this year. I want you to put some blinders on. I want you to stop being so sensitive about the wrong priorities. Stop being so sensitive. I mean it. Stop being so sensitive. Be sensitive enough to care for people. Be sensitive enough to know when somebody's hurting and you need to apologize. Be sensitive enough when you need to say I'm sorry. Be sensitive enough when you need to change. But don't be so sensitive you can't lead a life with God. Don't be so sensitive that everybody change your opinion about what you need to do for God. Don't be so sensitive that you can't stand up for God for where you are. Don't be so sensitive that you're lukewarm. Don't be so sensitive that when you get with the brothers, you start talking different than when you were at the church. Don't be so sensitive that when you get with the sisters, nobody can tell that you love Jesus. Don't be so sensitive. Have some backbone to you that God is first in your life. Don't be so sensitive. Don't be so easily moved. God wants to be first in our lives. God wants people to make concrete decisions. I want to let you know it ain't always convenient serving God. See, that's why I'm preaching. See, people, people always want to be blessed outside of sacrifice. We preach that too. We got a society, even the church, they want to be blessed without sacrifice. And God is interested in sacrifice. We hope you've been blessed by this fresh word from Truth Gatherer's Dream Center Church. Pastor Joseph Davis and the congregation invite you to join them. You can find more information by following them on social media. Just look up Truth Gatherer's Dream Center Church. And we pray that God will bless you richly and abundantly in the coming days, knowing that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him.